Cast your mind back in time to the 30th of September 1996. That was the day that Baby Bird released their single, You're Gorgeous. It peaked at number 3 in the UK charts, reaching the top 40 in Australia, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, New Zealand and Sweden. And it's the track for which the band are probably best known. However, the song. Many have misunderstood the meaning of it believing it to be a besotted love song, and it's often been misinterpreted as such, used at weddings and sang aloud in many a pub and a club. Speaking to the Sheffield Telegraph back in 2009, Stephen Jones said, I can't tell people how to interpret the song. The song's actually about male photographers who want to use women to sell things using sex. Naturally, it would be great to say that society has moved on so much since 1996, but sadly not, and sex does continue to sell, as demeaning as that may be. Baby Bird has announced a new tour, the Bad Old Man Tour, which is obviously making its way around the UK this winter. But before we get into that, let's begin with a connection between Baby Bird and a certain Hollywood superstar. Johnny Depp's way into Baby Bird was through the band's top 40 hit, Bad Old Man, a track that made him go on to play guitar on two albums and make a million dollar video for the song Unlovable. The video touches on all sorts of darkness themes, incorporating all the things that make a short promotional film virtually unplayable on mainstream platforms, well at least it did at the time of its release. But that was never the point. The point is that Baby Bird's writer and singer Stephen Jones has never done anything for commercial ends. He still writes as he always has, ever since those Baby Bird lo-fi albums of 1995 to 96, continuing to work on his 150th album release in just 10 years right now. A creature of habit, Stephen often makes his way upstairs into the smallest bedroom of his house or studio, as his family laughingly like to call it. He's at home with just one laptop, a few barely fully strung guitars and a piano. With his headphones on, all that can be heard is Jones tippy-tapping annoyingly on a plastic two-octave keyboard. Bad Old Man was basically written like that too, as a demo, and then blown up by the band. And it's possibly Stephen Jones' favourite song, especially live. So now Baby Bird is taking the Bad Old Man back to the UK audiences with a string of UK tour dates throughout the winter. He kicked it off in Southampton on the 30th of November, and the tour will see stops throughout the country as the pioneers of critical pop bring their charming wit and innovative sound to audiences across the nation. Once again, I'm Chris Hallam, and this is Chris Talks Music. I hope you enjoy this episode, and once again, thanks for listening. I see you smile, but know that if you don't, Tears will come And they'll never dry I just wish That I could ring out the years And hang up those drenched feelings 
So, you managed to get here. Here we are. Yes. It's all good. <laughs> Moment yeah. of calm. We can breathe now. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel relaxed? <laughs> Do I feel relaxed? Well, I'm, I, that's, um, I went to Old Trafford last night and it was incredibly difficult to get home. We're stuck in a car park for two hours, so I'm, I'm totally exhausted. <laughs> Were you um, supporting the Reds or the... Um... I was, yeah. Well, I live in Manchester, so um, I took my little boy loves loves United, so I take him. First time I've taken him in four years, so wow, it was good. Yeah, it's um, well, I'm the same. I'm the same as you, mate. We support the same team. Um, ah, cool. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was what I was watching from the comfort of my living room. So yeah, it was um, a cracking game, wasn't it? Well, the first half wasn't. Yeah, the second half. No, we we were right up in the in the gods. So it was like I think we paid forty nine quid for both of us. So we couldn't believe it because it was a uh, it was that's incredible. I mean, especially can, for can, Old Trafford. I know because I was looking at the Barcelona um, things, and if you wanted to get a ticket, they've all gone now. It's five hundred, six hundred quid. Mm. I don't know how anyone's got the money to do that. But yeah, we were right in the gods. You've got the roof over you, so it's like you you just you can just see the edge of the pitch. That's kind of it. But it's very, it's very, it gives you vertigo being that high up. It's weird. I mean, the the one stadium I remember going to was St James Park years ago, and mm. I found that like it's like, do you know, when you go to Wembley, the new Wembley, obviously not the original one, mm. and it's so like um, steep a stadium. Yeah. That um, when you are kind of up in the gods, you do thank God you don't have vertigo, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. not great, but it's a good result. And yeah, it was really good. Yeah, incredible yeah. second I mean, half. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just nice to see them play with um, a bit of not so much passion, but with you know like being able to dig deep and drag a result yeah. like out of it. So yeah, yeah but. Yeah. It's, it was good, but we're not we're not here to talk about Manchester United. We're here to talk about you, <laughs> you being a, you being a bad old man going on tour. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> give us a little um, rundown of what the bad old man tour is and why you've decided to bring this back. Because it's it's not a new album, is it? It's an old album, was it? Uh, I say an old. Well, no, bad, bad old man's bad old man was a single off. Uh, there's something going on, which was yeah. our second band album. It's confusing because there's two bits to Baby Bird. The stuff I did on my own, um, like lo-fi albums and stuff, is how I started, and that was Baby Bird. Then it became a band, and yeah. we did like, three or four four albums with the band, and this was the second one. Um, and Battle Man was the song from that, and it was um, it's it's just a, a great song. So we thought, let's. I'm getting old, so <laughs> not so bad anymore. But um, I thought that was perfect for for this tour. We're doing the regional venues as well, which is quite good. Yeah. Because um, we haven't done that for years and years and years. So I think it, it, it's just that's a song that we we do all the time. But it, it just seemed to be right for people might not have heard it in the regional venues for a long time. No, because you'll be um, you're coming to Sheffield on the second of December to the O2 Academy yeah. two, um, with yeah. Tony Wright of Terrorvision. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. and then um, I I just actually um rewatched the video um, Unlovable. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an impactful one, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword because it was amazing to do that with everyone concerned, but in t- terms of it being a good promotional thing, it wasn't because <laughs> there's hanging, there's shooting. So I think Yahoo and Google and various people around at the time said, we, we, we won't be playing that, we won't be supporting it. So it was even hard to get it played. It's, it's, it's fine on YouTube now, but originally it was difficult. So Crazy, isn't brilliant it? video, very expensive video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you see Lady Gaga because someone, I've seen her pictures of her being, you see her legs, she's been hung. And it's like, if you're a huge star, then you can do these things. But, yeah, you know, even with the, the even with the fact that Johnny Depp directed it didn't mean anything. It just meant it was, it wasn't going to be, it's been seen by a lot of people, but it wasn't a great promotion of that single and album. <laughs> yeah, but it was I mean- fun. It, that's what. Well, that's the thing. I think it's one of those videos that will linger with you as well. And then also we get to see younger yeah. Stephen Graham as well. Yeah, amazing. He Absolute shock, because I, really, I didn't know that until a few days before. I mean, I've done, I, I used to be in a theatre company, so I've done a little bit of acting, but not, not great acting. So to have to be opposite him uh, is giving him eye contact was very surreal because Last of England and, uh, and Cosmo, when he played that character, was just that's all I was looking at, really. Yeah, oh, scary this is skinhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was weirdly that that was filmed um, just up the road from where I grew up, a lot of it. All right, yeah, uh, yeah, it's literally like a 10 minute walk from mine. So um, it was, um, it's sort of not is it Nottingham area? Some of it was filmed around there, but parts of it were filmed in Sheffield. Yeah. And um, quite a bit of it was, actually. Um, Shane Meadows is fond of um, Yorkshire and Nottingham, isn't he? Which is where he sources a lot of the cast from. And um, Yeah. Yeah, it was... um, It's weird when when I watch those, because I see little juxtapositions of places where I grew up in or around dotted throughout and especially in that first in the in the film when they're kind of like living in the flats and stuff like that yeah they still look the same now and it's it's crazy how like um deprecated it is um a I know that's not the area you're talking about, but on kind of just behind the train station with all the flats up there, and there's a big church in the middle, isn't there? It's like this... Park Hill Flats? Yeah, it's that all been yeah. knocked down now. I haven't been to Sheffield for a year or so. I don't know if it was be, it was in the course of being knocked down. or. Oh, no, Park Hill Flats are still there. That, If anything, they've actually been go, undergoing quite a um, long-term regeneration, and they've been selling them... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they shifted out a lot of the people that lived there, which um, obviously ruffled feathers because um, some development company kind of came in and um, they've been upscaling them. And it's part, it's it's great to see investment in areas that were overlooked for so long, but then mm. also um, you kind of have the the forced gentrification of areas that kind of pushes people to the periphery and. It's um, it's never great, is it? But um, it's yeah. it's great in terms of like investment and upscaling of the area. So it does parts of it do look really nice now, and there has been quite a bit of money going into there, and quite a few 
younger affluent folks have moved into those some of those flats i think half of it still needs to be re- redeveloped but that'll happen in yeah. time i guess but it's uh, yeah, yeah it's it's it how long has it been since you were in sheffield last um i think it was about a year we we did a tour so we were rehearsing in Sheffield because we're, we're kind of I'm not from Sheffield, but I moved there to form Baby Bird, the band. So I've, I've known Sheffield for 30 odd years, long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you um, form Baby Bird in Sheffield? Uh, well, there was the stuff that I was doing that was sort of 1994 to 96. Then the band yeah. in the middle of that 1995 was put together. So we'd, we'd um, I'm trying, and most of those members are still still in the band. So that's that's over. Is it thirty years or something mental? So yeah, I remember when Your Gorgeous came out. I was at school at the time, and um, it was just one of them songs that you just heard everywhere, didn't you? It was used in all sorts of stuff as well. Yeah, that was that was mad. Um, I was living in Manchester then. I'd moved back to Manchester, and it was just constant. Um, people shouting out of car windows and you go to a garage at two in the morning and you'd get shit. It wasn't abuse. It was like, oh, gorgeous, all this. So I, I moved. To, I had to move to London, literally, to, to kind of escape. And um, <laughs> you did. I think you left. Well, you are. You're left alone a bit more. You're not, you know. Yeah, it's not, you are. It's, it's, you can blend it. Yeah. That's the so, thing. So, yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge song and it's like I would... You know, you you go out, you kind of um, hate it, love it, but <laughs> it's it's kind of kept my career going. So you know, you have to give it fair due. You do, you do, absolutely. And um, how how have you um, like found things? Obviously, since then, obviously, some people they'll have a a hit song and then they kind of mm. seem to let it go to the heads or just fade away and don't really do much after that you've continued putting out music haven't you, you yeah yes, yeah you put out the remixes one didn't you pixelated that was this year oh yes yeah remix um remixes in it uh, was uh, a double album with some cover versions so i did some velvet underground cover versions joy division uh etc and oh, yeah that was about a year ago yeah and then, no, but i'm constantly working I've, I've done i've released probably about 150 albums on Bandcamp. Over the last ten years, yeah, I see that's <laughs> quite. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> to live with audience, but it's good, you know. It's but I, yeah, I've just carried on doing it, and because of, you know, you're gorgeous, and then we had, I think we had eight top forty hits as well, and the F word on the Gordon Ramsay thing. So all these little things have kept it going, and I, I think I'm extremely lucky that these things popped up, and the unlovable thing that, you know, that that was good as well. Yeah, what was your biggest song? Do you think? Well, in terms of sales, you're gorgeous, and that album oh, was gold. Yeah, no, you're gorgeous. No, by by far, there's never been. I mean, the the F word was was on Gordon Ramsay thing for like thirteen series. So yeah, and that's just a F word, food word. Gordon Ramsay swears. This is how the music business works. It's quite dumb, but that's how that got on there. Well, that's the thing with those kinds of songs, isn't it? They kind of just capture onto the public conscience, and then they just. They just don't seem to let go, do they? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool. So how, like, um, so the the bad old man tour, um, mm. that begins in gosh, um, 
that starts later on this month in Southampton. Yeah. Yeah, November 30th, yeah. And um, what will you be bringing to the masses? Oh, um, all those hits I was talking about, Unlovable, Bad Old Man. Bad Old Man's a good one because that was, um, that's where I I got to know Johnny Depp, basically, through, um, he'd, he'd sat down with Marilyn Manson, which is not, not necessarily a good connection anymore because I know he's... He's got a bit of trouble bothers. going on, hasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, no, they 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 thought what a, what a great they like the darker side of things. So I think what's good about Baby Bird is that it's lyrically quite dark, but hopefully dark humour, like uh, David Lynch sort of humour, um, uh, with with very very naive lullabyish music, which can be very hooky and drive you mad or or drive you very happy. So that's that's what they'll get on this tour. You took the Lynch. And I like to talk as well. Pardon? I said you took Sorry. the Lynchian inspiration literally, didn't you? Film lovable. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go on. Sorry. No, no, you go on. Sorry, it's all right. No, I, no, definitely. I think it's very dark. It's based on a lot of that was came from a, um, yeah, a lot of David Lynch stuff, and and that's what Johnny Depp likes as well. So that was it. Was kind of his idea that whole video, really. It was just something I was I wasn't going to say. I don't want to do that. I don't want to dress up as an 18th century <laughs> soldier, which is basically what what I did. It's like that was the last thing I thought I'd be doing in a video, but it it works, you know. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, you somehow managed to keep on creating these um, seemingly lullaby-esque songs that are actually quite subversive and um they do you say you talk about dark themes and and so on and so forth but really it's like you're talking about people's struggles with different emotions in a different way and you're just presenting Mm. it in a different format so i think it's like um kind of it's nice because um it's you are talking about different forms of, I guess, pain and struggle in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. If you can see that, that's brilliant. It's, well, I think it's, it's like it's, you, to it's articulate very, it. It's very, very difficult because it's pop music, and people essentially. I, well, I wouldn't say what I'm doing is pop music. Popular music, essentially, yeah. um, people listen to to dance to or to to. Um, get a good feeling from so if you're going to use very dark lyrics or you're going to use dark subjects then you you do have to make sure you're not shocking people or you're doing things that are unnecessary um and it's just getting a fine line between between entertaining and uh, talking about reality you know not i love you you love me cliches it's um all the songs are always based around love but there's so many ways you can twist it and it's that's what's what's exciting. Yeah, I think yeah, I do think it it's a a really nice way of kind of um, delivering a different kind of perspective or insight into those kinds of themes and topics, yeah. and and then um, presenting them to people, and people will listen to it and they'll be like, oh, I love this song. It's such a lovely song. But then it's like you need to unpick the layers a little bit and actually. Yeah see where it's going and it's amazing how we can listen to especially in the age of throwaway music without being blunt about streaming services um 
like we kind of tend to listen to a song and then shift on to the next bit of the shuffle um, yeah. and we don't really some people don't really listen I think because everything in the the digital age is great because we can get our hands on so many things like if I want to download one of your 150 albums released over the last 10 years I can instantly get them on Bandcamp and rock without going into a record shop and hoping they might have five or ten of them and that's amazing because yeah. it's instantaneous but the instant the, the spontaneity of it all is um, it makes us a um, lazy in a way and take things for granted and not really um take the time to absorb and to um uncover and to just engage with something so it's um sometimes i think it's like it's like the resurgence of vinyl the the idea of putting on a you know a piece of vinyl and you sit down i do anyway and i know other people do you sit down and you you listen to it for 20 minutes because it's 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 not too long a period but you'll sit there and maybe listen to the whole album um and i, I think i think that's because apparently i, mean, I think vinyl's outselling cds now or it's, oh, vinyl, it's become, yeah it's um yeah it's, it's been going nuts and whenever i go to a live gig and if um depending on the kind of the music i will generally plump for the vinyl over the cd and i know it costs a bit more and i don't even have a record player at the moment um <laughs> But I'll get one eventually. But the thing is, yeah. when I get one, I know that then I can listen to the music otherwise. Because I've, I, I always download the music anyway, so I've, I've always got it with me. Because I'm always listening to something on one yeah. of my smart speakers or on my phone yeah. or through headphones and whatever. Um, but then it'll just be nice at some point to kind of just like COVID made us do, just pause and stop for a moment and then just to really just sit down and immerse myself into something because it's the beauty of music beauty of art in that way isn't it yeah absolutely totally agree absolutely i I think the good on my band camp as well it's funny how how many people because i do i I do a lot i design a lot of the sleeves and i do different packages and they get they get it personalized for them and that's what sells it's something physical that still sells um, and the digital the digital downloads on my bank camp is is so minimal. People don't want it. So I'm hopefully doing something right that people actually still want the packaging and they want the art side of it. Which is what yeah. I did, you know, when I was when I was seventeen, eighteen, when punk was happening. I mean, that's how old I am. So uh, it was kind of like flexi discs, and you you would you know a lot of the punk stuff would come out on handmade sleeves, and it it's kind of nice that on Bandcamp you can still do that. You have to pay a bit to the to the man, you know, because yeah. they 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 do a cut. But it's it's kind of the same thing for me as it was back in seventy seven or seventy eight. You know, hopefully. Yeah, I think it, but it's also about kind of um, catering across the different mediums. Uh, the digitalization of stuff is is great because it's another it's another portal for people to get the kind of music. But I think it's also I was speaking with a um, a Dutch um, DJ and producer, a guy called Ferry Corsten, this week, and um, we were talking about he's he's a legend in like trance and techno, and. Yeah. Um, He's been around for, he's been in the top 100 DJs worldwide for the last 20 years, and it, I mean you've you've got to be quite prolific in terms of your output and 
yeah. irreverence in the industry to kind of stay there. And he just talked about how he's just continually just embraced the technologies over time, but also kind of re looked at different ways of repackaging the experience for different fans. So like, mm. obviously he still does vinyls. He still releases things on CDs and digital downloads and it's on streaming services, but he also dipped into NFTs earlier on this year. And the thing is, it was like, he's not a hundred percent decided on them, whether they're, perfect or not but it was just a means of creating something special for that audience so yeah. it's i think it's about just um taking note of the different um avenues and means of connecting with people out there and doing it in a variety of different ways um i wanted to ask you actually back in 2013 you'd um you tweeted out um that which is, I don't know if you're still tweeting these days because that's um, undergoing. I don't know why I do. It's just a way of getting things out, really. It doesn't do me any good. But yeah, go <laughs> um, you tweeted that Baby Bird was no more. And you obviously began, you, you launched your own site and band camp and then you had these variety of different aliases. What, were the th what was the yeah. thinking behind that? And why, why did you decide to, was it the, was that the kind of the end of Baby Bird as we knew it? And... Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just you know, if if you um, if you're in a cab in London or somewhere, and, and they say, "What do you do?" and then you you go into it and you say, "I was in a band called Baby Bird," and they they kind of nod their head, "I don't know that," and then you say, "You're gorgeous," and they know that. Mm. So it was that I think it was that link that is my calling card because <laughs> most people have heard that song annoyingly enough. But it's like um, I, I think just Baby Bird. I just wanted to do new stuff, and a lot of it is is loops and samples and orchestral music and. Um, every every different type of, of thing which I've always done before I started doing Baby Bird I would do soundtrack stuff where I would use found voices or uh, weird loops or, or that's that's that was my my way in so it's just a return to that really and I wanted to do it on different I think it's really complicated because there's about nine AKAs but they're, they're all really different and uh, I think hopefully people have got into to, to what they are because I don't explain what they are. <laughs> I don't think Baby you... Bird's still there. Baby Bird's still there. Obviously I'm touring this and but that's the we're touring this for a bit of a laugh to get back to how it was. But the other stuff I do is very different. I think it's quite nice that Baby Bird's coming back there in a way because I think I was speaking to a friend who was talking about her struggles and she was saying that she'd gone back to university to do, to do a, an MBA and she feels like almost an imposter in a way, almost like she's gone back to university because it's like something she used to do before. And I said, in times of struggle, we do often mm -hmm. kind of look back in time at the familiar in which to find comfort. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like kind of, I think with the way that everything is right now, there's just so much it's like a cycle a cyclical um perpetual cycle of turmoil it seems and we just kind of wake up each day and wonder what crap the world is going to throw at us next absolutely and, agree. yeah and i think in the familiar and people talk about like kind of the revival of former bands and bands getting back together and going back on tour and i think it's well when everything else seems in disarray, you do kind of seek solace in that which you already know. 
and if you can share that with people and they take something good out of that then you it doesn't matter if it's hugely successful or if it's just loved by a few i think you've already achieved your aim because you've had a positive impact on people in a way that's allowed them to and afforded them the opportunity to just escape even if for only a moment Mm. do you know what i mean absolutely without no no i think that's true i think i'm exactly the same i wake up and i think what what new shit is coming our way yeah it's just and also standards have changed there is no um morality in in terms of government and and what what can happen next the, uh, people can do what they want to do manchester united can can sell a ticket for 500 quid which i think is morally wrong you know but it's it i think it's it's everywhere everywhere you see i think people have just thought f you i, I i'm i'm going to do it, it it's well i'm talking crap now but it's it's a verging on sort of things I see is slight anarchy of, of not having any leaders or people to look up to. I think it's, we're uh, in the age of, uh, do you know they talk about cancel culture when somebody does something yeah. and they're immediately cancelled? I do think that there is a path of not so much redemption, but uh, people should be allowed in most cases to make mistakes and come back from them. Um, Mm. But I think the most important thing is, um, Graham Norton put it really poetically, I think before he kind of um, went off Twitter or something, and he said it's not about, he doesn't believe in cancel culture, but he does believe in taking accountability, and I think that's the key thing. I think it's it's not about, like, um, the reason people don't like the government is not because they effed up. People F up and they mess up all the time. It's it's about the fact that they don't want to take accountability for what they've done, and whether that's the government or whether that's other people or whatever, it's the same. And mm. we harp on about like free speech, which isn't actually technically a thing in the UK. I don't think it was ever enshrined in law, but um, it's to an extent we're allowed to say what we like. Um, and obviously they're trying to erode that anyways with these various new bylaws and crap like that but um i think people should be free to say what they wish as long as it doesn't impact and negatively harm other people and if you do offend a person or a community um you need to take accountability of that but you should be given the chance to take the accountability and i think we have this like siege and almost horde like mentality of just being Grab your pitchforks to uh, quote Shrek and uh, just go nuts. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Grab your pitchforks and uh, yeah, so sorry, terrible accent. But as you like, said, pitchfork, Shrek came into my head. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? And it's it's like it's that that it just seems to be this. Before we begin to think rationally, and this is a broad scale view, not a singular view. Um, before we think rationally on something or before we even become like choose to posit an opinion, we kind of jump to these ridiculous conclusions of anger and frustration. And I think people are right to be angry and frustrated about the way things are, but I think what we're doing is we're misdirecting how we feel about things, and I don't think people quite remember exactly what it is they're angry about anymore, so now they're just angry at everything. Mm. And then you have yeah. businesses that kind of seem to be 
um, exploiting others in the world. Um, say Manchester United with a £500 ticket, saw people buying Peter Kay's ticket on a pre-sale yesterday and then putting it on a yeah, resale yeah. site for a grand. It's like, that's just ridiculous. I've got, I've got a friend who got one for 35 so... That's he, how he much was, it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah he's, been, he's put... He, Peter Kay has said that, hasn't he? He wants it low. Yeah, he said so, it was the tickets are the same price as they were 10 years ago when he was supposed to do it last um, yeah. because of the cost of living crisis. And the thing is, it's like, I get it, and that's a really nice and ethical way of looking at things, but we seem to have kind of devolved into a society which has all these mechanisms of brilliance within reach, but we still have to... Um, devolve into trying to exploit people for our own temporary gain. Mm. It's a shame, really. But I... No, absolutely. I think it's, it's forcing people to, to retreat. I think yeah. there's so much stuff out there, so much out on social media, there's too much information. I think people just want to retreat. I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch the news. I, I try not to watch the news. I got quite obsessed by watching the briefings during COVID thinking, and I have no idea why I was doing that because everything that we were being told is, it was just rubbish really. Or even the bits that were true, you had no idea if they were true or not. So yeah, I, I'm it, absolutely... it was, it was very much one rule for one one rule one rule for the other, wasn't it? And I've always been doing that. Ever since I started doing music, I've always been wanting to rail against something. I've never wanted to just write a, a nice little song. I've always wanted to, you know, um, stick my finger up to everything. Well, that's <laughs> I think the accountability. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's a case of a. It's like. People feel away, but at least they feel something. And I do think it's right to highlight the wrongs and support the people who are being persecuted, if they're being persecuted yeah, for wrong reasons, and or whether that's people, or whether that's elements of society, or races, or religions, or sexual preferences, or whatever. How people wish to identify. It's. I do think people need to be supported in that. But I also think um, people can have differing opinions, and that's fine, just as long as we can discuss it like just um, calm people, really. Um, but I, I think, think the, the World Cup, the World Cup is a good example of how many people, particularly comedians, are going to be going to Qatar um, yeah. and taking the money. And I think there's one discussion, horrendous things. That the was it the Sheikh or who was saying he had an interview, and he was talking about homosexuality and um, absolutely horrendous views. But no one is going to say no. It's too late now. It should have been stopped. It should have, they shouldn't have gone there in the first place. It was one of so the ambassadors. Yeah, it was one of the ambassadors. Oh, uh, like Gary, national Gary Lineker. Yeah, Barry, Gary Lineker is always making very political points on his tweets and stuff. But he'll be there. You know, I mean, and he'll be yeah, he... that's a really good example of the fine line between and people won't won't back down and they will carry on and it will be this inverted commas amazing event that everyone wants it to be. I mean, it really should be a celebration of the sport and bringing people together. And I think that's what mm. the likes of a Gary Neville or a Gary Lineker are trying to do. While also, I think people think you can shout and change things from the outside and sometimes when you're unafforded an opportunity to be on the inside 
um, mm-hmm. that's when you can try and affect a positive change from there. Um, but then it's also, I think, it can be a bit rich sometimes because we can um, we can rail against Qatar's human rights record, which is horrific. Um, mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, they're working for British sports networks and stuff, and there are so many wrongs going on within this country as well. So technically, they're in a lose-lose situation just by proxy. Um, but I think by talking about those things and having those conversations, it's sure it's not the absolute solution, but it's a start, I guess, in a way. They just have to... It's like when the Black Lives Matters process, protests were going on. Um, I'm all for it because I'm a person of colour and I mm. and I, I have experienced persecution and racism and all of that kind of stuff um, and so have my family and whatnot. But mm. at the same time, for me, it was like, I think this is a great cause and I do think it's brilliant that people are com- from all different backgrounds are coming together to protest for this, but maintain that energy hold that same energy it doesn't matter when the black lives matter protests then the kind of the wave of focus dies down you've still got to keep that same energy when this world cup has been and gone from qatar where it never should have gone in the first place they still have to maintain that same energy and there are different cultural issues and differences there but those things can be changed it just takes time to affect those kinds of things the same way in this country it's a mess at the moment and eventually things can change which people can do a little bit by voting in the next general election this time rather than not bothering to go but it and then in the meantime folks like yourself can keep on sticking up fingers to the establishment because it needs it yeah 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 god that's what's missing that really is what's missing with you know, you had rave, you had punk, you had it, it's it's what what what's now? I, I, there is no real particular musical um, revolution, but I don't, I don't think, think they can possibly. I think it's still there. I just think yeah, we're stuck it, in yes, for those people are dying out a little bit. Aren't they? Yeah. Well, I, I heard my my um, my oh was it oh it's, it's I can't remember who told me now, but now this new this new hairstyle that's become becoming fashionable with younger. Uh, younger kids, younger boys, it's sort of like the mullets coming back. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, do they not know about the history of the mullets? And it's just a very weird, that, that just, just very odd that it's gone back to that, something which is deeply uncool, but they think it's like that's their way of revolt. <laughs> not to put them down, but, I mean, it's just... Jesus Christ, have you not seen Crocodile Dundee? It's sort of, it's not even from a, it's not even a Mohican. It's not even a, you know, it's odd. odd. It's a halfway house of haircuts. But, um, yeah. I mean, but the, I'm joking. I left the barbers <laughs> halfway through. Yeah, but I mean, if people want to do it, that's fine. But the thing is, we're in the... No, I know, I'm not... It's appropriation, just, uh, aren't we? Yeah. So... It, it's fine it's fine but i mean it, i mean it's it's not cool but i mean if you want to do it go for it if it makes you happy i think yeah. just it's just it does look bloody daft though but um i <laughs> know <laughs> right we, we, well the thing is they can do it that's great but we are gonna laugh at it so uh, yeah. that's just the way that it is um but yeah i mean we're gonna run out of time in a couple of minutes um but this has been great so, 
I've really enjoyed chatting to you, Stephen. It's uh, yeah. I know it's not like kind of an interview as you you might normally have when we'll talk about the the layers of music and the 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 deep inferences and the influences behind yeah. something and the journey that. Oh no, God, that's so boring. No, it's, it's refreshing. Honestly, it's yeah. refreshing to have an interview like this. Honestly, it's just nice to have a chat with people. I think and just figure out a little bit about them. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, it's it's going to be great to see you in Sheffield. Um, yep. And obviously in Birmingham the day before that, and then Nottingham six days after in, you're in Sheffield, and then Newcastle three days after that. So folks can um, get online. Where can we get your tickets from? Ticketmaster, I think. Ticketmaster. There's another corporation. Yeah. Go on the corporation. Ticketmaster. Absolutely. And then... Um, it is on Ticketmaster, actually, yeah. So I'll pop the link in the um, podcast and um, do try and pick up a ticket, everybody, especially if you're going to the Sheffield show. And Stephen, I'd love to thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure, yeah, and hopefully get to speak to you another time. Yeah, love to. Stephen Jones and Baby Bird will be bringing the Bad Old Man tour back to the UK audiences, and he'll be coming to Sheffield on the 2nd of December. Coming to the O2 Academy 2, alongside Tony Wright of Terrorvision. I'm going to bring this week's episode to a close with the song Vacuous Master. As always, thanks for listening. Until the next time. <laughs>